BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. After nearly three decades on the Supreme Court, Justice Stephen Breyer has announced his intention to retire during the summer of 2022. Breyer, one of three liberal judges on the nine-judge panel, is stepping down at a very politically divided time in our country. The duty to replace his seat fell to President Joe Biden, who has appointed the nation's first black woman, Kintanji Brown Jackson, to the Supreme Court. I will select a nominee worthy of Justice Breyer's legacy of excellence and decency. While I've been studying candidates' backgrounds and writings, I've made no decision except one. The person I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. It's long overdue in my view. I made that commitment during the campaign for president, and I will keep that commitment. The opposition for many right-wing commentators has largely been about Kentanji Brown-Jackson's blackness and how race should not have been a factor in President Biden's decision. The next step in the process, however, is her Senate confirmation hearing. For better or for worse, many of the sentiments voiced by right-wing commentators are present among some Republican senators. These confirmation hearings are meant to provide insight into Judge Brown Jackson's past, her qualifications, and her capacity to serve the office of the Supreme Court on behalf of the American people. Here to discuss these proceedings and what this appointment means for the current administration is my guest, Holly Holliday, president of Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote. This is our daily story, and I am your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome, Holly Holiday. It's good to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's let's get started. So what does a Supreme Court confirmation hearing entail? Yeah. Uh, well, a Supreme Court confirmation hearing entails uh, first uh, opening statements by your senators. There are 22 members of the Senate on this on the Judiciary Committee. Um, uh, interesting fact, California and Texas have both of their senators sitting on. So they're globbing up a lot of seats. Mm. Um uh, which is interesting. Uh, and then we hear from the nominee, uh, which is Judge Jackson. Um, and that closes out the first day. The next two days, we hear a round of questioning. Round one is 30 minutes per senator. Round two is 20 minutes. They reserve around three just in case, but we rarely get to that. And we hope that won't be the case here. And then we hear um, community support. Um, in this case, we're likely to hear from legal organizations like the American Bar Association and others. And then Judge Jackson has a closing statement and we're done. Mm. Um, so that's what the hearings will look like. Okay. So let's discuss Judge Brown Jackson's qualifications. Uh, do you believe she meets the qualifications necessary for the seat? Um, I heard someone the other day say she's not just qualified. She is supremely qualified. And in fact, if you stack her qualifications up, I would argue that she's more qualified than four of the current sitting justices mm -hmm. at a minimum. Um, you know, not only um, has she clerked 
under uh, retiring Judge Breyers before. Not only is she currently um, a sitting judge on the um, one of the most prestigious benches of the um, D.C. Uh, United States uh, Court of Appeals, um, but she has an extensive legal background, both as a scholar, um, starting and most notably with Harvard Law Review, um, and as a attorney, um, she will represent one of the few, very few trial attorneys that we'll have on the bench, um, but also as a judge. Um, prior to sitting on the Court of Appeals, she also sat on the U.S. District Court. Uh, so qualified doesn't even begin to talk about it. I love it. I love it. So during the confirmation hearings, are there any hurdles or difficult questions that Judge Brown Jackson should expect to address regarding past cases? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, uh, as we, we've seen some stuff uh, in relationship to her role as a federal um, defense attorney, uh, yeah. where she represented um, prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. She will probably get some questions around that. Um, mm -hmm. For those of us who are attorneys like myself uh, and some others, you know, who recognize that our, our legal system is comprised of both prosecution and defense on the criminal side. Mm -hmm. And so everyone in this country, um, in our system, um, even if you are not a citizen, is entitled to a defense. Um, her role as a federal defense attorney was to represent those who are uh, most marginalized, including um, prisoners of war in this particular case. And so you do that with um, the same zeal and zest uh, that you would taking on any role. It is not necessarily indicative of your personal views or opinions, but your professional responsibility. So I expect she'll get some questions around those kinds of things. Um, but I think what we will find and what we will see is that Judge Jackson is not only fully prepared to address those questions, um, but any others in relationship to her case load. Um, she, as a judge, has seen um, has made decisions in over 600 cases, and her reversal rate is just under 2%, um, which is well below the average of her current bench and former bench, which hover between 5 and 6%. Um, so we'll see that she is a very thoughtful and careful jurist, and her record ultimately will show that. Hmm. Well said. So how might Judge Brown Jackson's appointment influence American politics moving forward? Yeah. So I think sometimes we forget that the judiciary is a part of our American political system right. um, and that it it is and its job is part of the checks and balances that we have in our system to hold both the administration as well as the legislative branches accountable. Um, and so I think um, although it is not political per se beyond this confirmation point, and it's done that sort of purposely um, as a lifetime appointment. Um, it certainly will have an impact on issues that will affect our everyday lives. Um, and while we expect probably predictively that she will be um, for the early part of her term um, in more of the dissenting point of view. We're making some assumptions here, I might say. Uh, my hope is that uh, because she has a lifetime appointment and based on her age, that we can see over her lifetime term that she will move into um, 
more of the uh, the the prom the 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 actual opinions. And I think what it will bring, frankly, is perspective. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't had anyone who represents uh, the lived and learned experience of being a black woman on the court. And we know that in so many indicators, uh, black women suffer some of the harshest disparities in our country. Um, But in addition to that, we haven't had anyone who has, we don't currently have anyone on the court who represents a civil rights background. We don't have anyone who represents disability rights. We don't have anyone who's managed cases around workers' rights. We don't have anyone who's managed anything around criminal reform at all. All. Mm-hmm. Um, and so beyond just her, her lived experience as a black woman, her legal background and experience in dealing with cases that touch and concern the things that we care about as Americans and as humans uh, will bring a lot to this court. Well, said. well, to piggyback off of that question, uh, you know, in the past, presidents have nominated justices based on ethnic, gender or religious criteria. Uh, In fact, Eisenhower nominated a Catholic justice for that reason. Uh, Reagan said he would nominate a woman. Uh, Trump said the same thing. He would nominate a woman, et cetera. Why do you believe the right is largely taking issue with Biden's desire to appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court? Well, I think the top of the list is the right is simply just contentious against anything that the so-called left points out. So I think we have sort of that built into the system, but we're not going to sit here on um, black on the black information network and suggest that this also doesn't smack of racism and sexism. <laughs> um, uh, Cause we're just not going to be delusional in this space. Uh, and so we know when, and we have evidence of, and there are many, many studies and reports that we can look at and cite that when black women seek to elevate in their leadership and particularly their politi- political leadership um, that we get the backlash. And by the way, not just from Republicans, uh, but we get the backlash. I call it the disrespect, dishonor and discredit tour. It goes into full effect. Mm-hmm. And we start hearing about things that we don't hear about when we talk about other people uh, who other people and other demographic groups who are seeking or may have sought in the past those same positions. And sadly, Judge Jackson is not immune. In fact, not only Judge Jackson, but if you recall, even before we had the nominee, when people's names were being surfaces, they were already starting the attack. These people yeah. weren't even really being considered other than um, within the media spectrum and they were already receiving death threats they were already receiving um uh sort of on the tour of dishonor and disrespect and having to uh defend not defend against horrible um um attacks against their reputation against their experience and even personal attacks against things that they might have have gone through in their lives and we all know that it's just i mean it's it's just absolutely ridiculous um it's amazing and 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 it happens not only from a personal stack standpoint but also misinformation um distorted information and then my the thing that i really hate the worst is uh mischaracterization of facts um and information so um you know, we know this is part of it. And I think um, what you will see, uh, but we learn. 
<laughs> black women, we learned, we Indeed. learned and we now know, and we expect this. And so because we've learned and because we expect this, I think um, what the response has been, has been preparedness. Um, we have, um, you know, Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote is part of a tremendous network of Black women organizations, as well as Black women-led organizations that lead everybody, not just Black people. Um, and through um, things like the Black Women's Leadership Collective, um, the Black Women and Allies Group, uh, Win with Black Women, and many, many others, we are organized like we have never been organized before. Mm. And what does that mean? That means that when you turn on the television, we have black women there ready and prepared to rebut uh, some of this uh, foolishness. When you hear it on talk radio, we are ready to rebut some of this foolishness. And we certainly have taken to print as well. And I think we've seen more op-eds in any single topic written by black women across this country in um, national, regional and local papers than we've seen on any other subject. And let me just say, this is just the beginning. Mm. I love that. I love that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Here with us to discuss the Senate confirmation proceedings for Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson is my guest, Holly Holiday, president of Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote. All right. You're quoted as saying two years ago on February 25th, 2020, presidential candidate Joe Biden made a campaign promise. He said, I'm looking forward to making sure there's a black woman on the Supreme Court to make sure we, in fact, get every representation. Today, President Biden kept his promise. Discuss what this means for Joe Biden's administration and his legacy. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, um, Joe Biden will forever be linked with uh, representation in the court. Mm -hmm. Um, not only is he doing this at the Supreme Court level, which is which is extremely important, but we're also seeing him do this throughout his administration and most especially on the bench. Uh, we have uh, several African-American women who are now um, on serving and or in process to serve over nine. Um, believe it or not, that feels like a small number and compared to the number of uh, members of the judiciary that they are, but it's actually the most nominated by any president in our history. Mm -hmm. And we anticipate based on the number of qualified applicants that we've been able to surface during this Supreme Court process, that that number will start to increase dramatically because now not only has that been brought to the awareness of the administration, but frankly, the American people of the depth of qualified applicants that we have to sit on the federal bench. Um, and and I think the other thing is that um, it provides us, uh, it provides Democrats for sure and the administration and specifically, you know, some key points in which they can say we kept our promise. We did what we said we we're going to do. And let's face it, the Democrats and Joe Biden in particular, 
they got a little bit of work to do to catch up on uh, building back trust and credibility between the African-American community. And it certainly couldn't happen at a more uh, opportunistic time. I don't know if Judge Byers is a political genius or what, uh, but we'll give him some credit for for the timing um, coming right on the heels of uh, not being able to be successful in moving voting rights the way we thought we would be able to um, uh, to have to be able to pivot to this and to be able to um, pivot to it in a way that we are doing so very strongly and moving in a much stronger position instead of having to move from a lag position, moving from a lead position feels pretty good. Sure, sure. Um, so are there any upcoming Supreme Court cases that Judge Brown Jackson will likely hear after being confirmed to the bench? Yeah, we don't know that yet. So the way that it works is we're finishing up the Supreme Court term, just like the congressional term, actually starts in October. Um, and so when, that's why she, it, when confirmed, when confirmed, uh, won't be sworn in until October, which is when Justice, Justice Breyer's retirement actually right. ends. And at the start of that term is when they will begin to examine which cases that the Supreme Court will look at. We anticipate, though, having said that, that we'll be looking at things uh, related to some LGBTQ rights. We expect okay. to see some cases in that space. Mm -hmm. I suspect we may also be revisiting uh, things related to abortion rights. Um, we expect to get some um, not so positive news uh, or some limitations around that based on based on what's currently in front of the court. So we expect that will come back around again. And frankly, we got a lot to do on voting rights. So I think, you know, those are probably some of the three. Actually, let me add in. Um, I also think that we're going to see some things around um, environmental justice as well. Um, so I think those four subjects will, will likely be uh, things that the court could take up. Uh, but honestly, we won't know for sure until October sure. or we'll actually probably November is when they usually announce their docket and then they'll start their hearing process. And then uh, the hearing process goes through the spring and then usually over the summer, uh, early, late spring, early summer, we start rolling out decisions. So okay. we, we are still a year away from seeing what her, her uh, decision making and um, the way in which she will actually weigh in. But uh, I know I'm going to feel better knowing she's there. Yeah, I think a lot of people will, will share that sentiment. Um, OK, so let's switch gears a bit here before we let you go. So um, let's talk to the people. Why are the upcoming midterm elections so important? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> why? <laughs> what do you care about? <laughs> Whatever you care about. That's why it's important. Um, you care about child care. It's important. You care about health care. It's important. You care about voting rights. It's important. You care about education. It's important. Um, sure. You care about crime. It's important. I mean, you pick an issue and that's why it's important. We um, we need to do a couple and then let's not for nothing. But, um, you know, Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote is also really concerned about representation. Mm -hmm. um, and it matters because of that. We're not only concerned about representation on the court, um, but we need to put some more black folks and particularly black women at the state house level. Mm -hmm. uh, we are we are doing and making real headway at the federal level. Um, but a lot of that gets cut off because when we get to the 
the state level, the states um, stop it, block it or push it back. And then the people don't get the resources and funding that they need. Um, um, similar to what we saw happen with ACA and Medicaid expansion, people just rejected the money. States rejected the money. This is why we need to ensure that we increase representation at every level. I'm hoping, uh, in addition to what we hope to be able to make some inroads, probably not great strides, but we hope to chip away a little bit at what we're seeing at the state house. We got to get some more representation in the Senate. We don't have a black woman in the Senate anymore. She went to the White House. Uh, mm. So we've got several black women across the country running for Senate. We're hoping to see a few of them um, get elected. We also hope to break uh, the no black woman governor thing. We've got several, in addition to Stacey Abrams, we've got four or five black women running for governor in several states. We're hoping to see some of them break through. Um, and so, yeah, we got a lot of work to do. We care about the issues and we care about representation. And so we're going to be, as soon as we get through with the Supreme Court, we're turning our attention right back to the 2022 elections. And, it, and I might also add, um, that these elections are important because we're starting to make strides because we are we are looking at some of the things that are fundamentally tearing down on white supremacy in this country. It is not coming down like the Berlin Wall all at once, but brick by brick, we are really making inroads and every election is an opportunity to take some more bricks out of that wall um, to fight against the things that we deal with that are uh, inextricably linked with racism and sexism in this country. What are some of those things that, that Black people need to care about? Well, um, I think um, probably at the top of it, I mean, every, whether it's healthcare or crime or voting rights, um, all of those issues um, disproportionately negatively impact the black community. Yeah. And they're based in very systemic uh, racist things. Mm. Um, and, and also just even our, our economic indicators. Um, and so these are the kinds of things where the policies do matter because the policies continue to be structurally obstructive. Um, and so we've got to have legislators and administrators in the form of governors uh, to help to tear some of this stuff down. And while we're tearing it down, they're still building it. I mean, let's look at the things that are sweeping our, we already saw the wave of bad voting rights legislation um, like in Texas and Georgia, but let us not forget that critical race theory is right behind it. Um, I don't know if you all keep track of what's going on in Florida, for example, but the legislation is so bad it literally brought legislators to tears um, um, that they were that they had to even address the indignities of what the Florida legislator is thinking about passing there. And they've already passed it despite the tears, despite the trauma that it caused legislators to even have to talk about it. Um, and we're expecting the governor to sign off on it. We need change. Mm. Okay. Very good. Well, you know, you mentioned sisters lead sisters vote a, a couple of times let's before we let you go let's talk a little bit more about that um and and let's plug the people in you know how people can keep in contact and support etc 
Well, first of all, uh, Sisters Lead Sisters Vote is taking a very active role in um, the confirmed Katanji Brown Jackson effort. And you can see all of that and sign up to do all the things, whatever you like to do, whether it's call, write, uh, be on social media, uh, be on interviews. Uh, you can sign up for all of those things at sistersleadsistersvote.org. Uh, we have it very prominently featured on the website. So you go to the website and you're probably one click away from all the things. So definitely want to encourage people to do that. Um, Sisters Lead Sisters Vote was founded uh, by Black women for Black women to help promote uh, Black women's political leadership. Um, and to specifically be um, intentional about addressing the ways in which racism and sexism impact uh, Black women in their um, in their efforts to excel in the political process. And that's not just elections. That's any way in which we choose to participate, um, elections being the pinnacle, but also looking at things like confirmation, um, party leadership, organizational leadership, um, even organizing in their own communities against specific issues. And so, um, we you can stay in contact with us. Um, we put we're a very transparent organization, small but mighty. Um, but we do everything we can to help kind of fill some of those gaps. Um, we're also very collaborative. So if you happen to be um, part of an organization locally, regionally, or nationally, and um, you're looking for some help or partnership, definitely reach out to us. Uh, we are um, unapologetically about the promotion and expansion of Black women's leadership in any way uh, that we can be helpful in moving that forward. We will do it. Well, thank you very much for your time and your insight today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Once again, my guest today is Holly Holiday, president of Sisters Lead, Sisters Vote. And before I go, I'll leave you with this. No matter which way we look at it, a Black woman on the Supreme Court is a win for everyone. This historic move allows for more representation, but also for more perspective. The job of interpreting the laws of the land is not to be taken lightly. And of all the people, from all the walks of life, the Black woman knows this. The Black woman in the United States historically has been the last human granted her rights, protections, freedoms, agency, and voice. She has built this country, served this country, and saved this country from itself time and again. It's not too little, it's not too late, it's time. President Biden knows this, black people know this, Judge Kintanji Brown Jackson knows this. And despite how critics of this decision frame their arguments, this country is at its very best whenever we partake in some black girl magic. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we tell our stories with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, 
safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.